Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, man, the NFL season never stops. Um, whether it's the combine, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, now OTAs, um, you know, that that's where we're at in the schedule now. And, uh, um, you know, we talked last time about what you're looking for in OTAs. Um, so, but look, the thing that's dominating the conversation right now is kind of who wasn't there. Um, look, these workouts are voluntary, right? Um, and so it's no surprise some veteran guys like, like Frank Clark and Chris Jones weren't spotted working out. Um, Nicole Hardman picked up an injury Wednesday, so he wasn't working out Thursday, but Orlando Brown wasn't there. And, and, uh, look, the fact that he hasn't hired an agent yet, I mean, how problematic do you think that is for the chiefs and, and trying to plan for the future here? First off the NFL and I have a lot in common. We never stop Todd. The NFL and I never stop. We're unstoppable (laughs) unless, you know, Unless I'm sleeping, then I'm definitely stoppable. <laughs> and I'm sure there's other instances too that involve, you know, germs and stuff like that would make me stoppable too. So the NFL and I may not actually be anything alike anymore now that I say words out loud. I was I say, wanted let, to let, believe it in my heart. Let me cough and then try to hug you. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Um, but to start off with Orlando Brown again. Um, look, I mean, the uh, until Orlando signs his, his franchise tag. Like until he signs the tender that he was given, I mean, he's, you know, he's not a part of the team and he didn't have to be a part of the team. They're just holding his rights at that point. And with the fact he doesn't have an agent whenever he uh, relieved his uh, agent of his duties um, there sometime in February, if I remember correctly, you know, I mean, he's had plenty of time, March, April, May to find a new agent, to interview some new things, to hand out whatever roses he needed to like the bachelorette or the, that type of show or whatever, he had those opportunities. So what that leads me to believe and assume and guess is that he, he may not be getting uh, the answers he wants if he is interviewing people (laughs) about what his potential aspirations are and with his aspirations potentially being what they are. And they've been reported multiple places at this point of being the top paid left tackle. Um, Well, technically one was reported. The other was put out by somebody that, uh, illustrated that they were in his camp or stated they were in his camp with yeah. Jamal Brown represented himself to be. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's twice now that's popped up. So, I mean, the, the reality of it is Orlando probably thinks I've been to three pro bowls before. Um, I'm a, I'm, you know, my dad was a great tackle. I'm a, I'm a great tackle and I, I deserve to be paid like a top tackle coaches film says otherwise. So at some point, He's going to have to make a decision. Does he want to sign the tag before July 15th? Does he want to wait till training camp? And then if he, if, you know, if that's the case, then okay. But I mean, I think if he thinks he's going to get paid top left tackle money, I mean, that's probably part of the reason the Ravens were willing to trade him and move on is because they probably had some inklings like this too. And they're like, you know, we've already paid a guy. We're not going to pay another guy. So we're going to find you a home to trade you to. So, you know, that's, that's probably where that reality is in that regard. Yeah. And, and look, I, if you're Brett Veach and, and you're like most other NFL GMs, like you're not loving the situation, you'd rather have an agent that you can communicate with an agent that you can 
that can act as an intermediary, right? Because, right. Um, you know, people may not be happy. Maybe Orlando Brown's not happy. Who knows? We haven't heard. Uh, maybe the Chiefs aren't happy with the situation. Maybe everything's fine. Maybe everything, you know, maybe we're making too much of it. But if you have an agent, you know, it keeps that line of communication open in a different way. And it certainly can be helpful for the team. I mean, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were asked about it uh, Thursday when they had some availability. You know, Andy uh, made a point to say that he still has not hired an agent that he's aware of. Um, yeah, Angie, Andy's usually pretty guarded in what he says about players. So the fact that he pointed that out shows, you know, where his mind's at, right? Um, he also made a point to say that, you know, he's working out in Florida and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you'd hope that, um, you know, he's staying in good shape, you know, maybe slimming down a little bit so we can be a little more active against those speed rushes. Um, uh, probably be helpful, as you said, if you've watched coaches tape. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes said he talks to Orlando Brown Jr. about about every week and that he knows he's a guy who loves football and wants to be a Kansas City Chief. If the Chiefs weren't willing to make Tyreek Hill the highest paid wide receiver in the game, I find it difficult to believe that they're going to make Orlando Brown the highest paid left tackle in the league, though. Um, that's just kind of, I mean, I think Tyreek Hill had proven he's one of the elite cream of the crop wide receivers in the game. And they were willing to move on to him. I don't know that despite three pro bowls in four seasons, I don't know that you can say that Orlando Brown is one of the cream of the crop elite left tackles in the game. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, but I, I, I think the chiefs and certainly chiefs fans would like to see him be there. And I mean, look, if you're going to give a guy that kind of money, you want him to be a leader on the team. And, and he's not the only one who doesn't have an agent and didn't show up to OTAs. Lamar Jackson didn't either. Right. I mean, like th these things happen in the league. Um, but I, I don't think it goes under the, the pro column. If you're doing a pro con on the idea of a long-term deal, not showing up, not having an agent, doesn't go into the pro call. Yeah. Next topic, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so initial impression, look, we didn't get to see a whole lot of practice and they don't do a whole lot, right? Guys can't bump and run. Guys can't hit each other. There, there's limited value to what you can see from a practice standpoint, which again, we talked about last week, but I will say this, man, like the wide receiver depth seems stacked. It almost seems like if you remember last year, we went from, oh my goodness, the offensive line was terrible coming out of that Super Bowl 55 loss and they've got to address it to you and I were talking going into training camp and as training camp progressed that there are going to be some guys that could start for other teams that are going to be cut, right? Like they may have to, they may trade somebody and they did end up trading Yassir Durant um, to new England. I, and I think Renee Tardif to the Jets. Right. Yeah. And that came a little bit later, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but they had a glut of, of talent all of a sudden that I mean, was too much for the roster. I think they're in that position again with wide receiver, man. I really do. Yeah, um, I mean, yep. Yeah. You know, and Patrick talked about the comfort he already has with, with Juju Smith-Schuster, the comfort he already has with Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. Justin Watson was a kind of under-the-radar signing early in the offseason. Um, he made a great catch yesterday, and and Patrick, he was telling, he was saying, like, when, when Justin came down to Texas, he said, I was consistently under-throwing him. I had to call Brett Beach and be like, how fast is this guy again? Cause he said he he's, he's, a, he said he's out there rolling, you know? So guys like that, I mean, Josh Gordon's still in the mix. McCole Hardman jr. Still in the mix. Corey Coleman is a guy that, that Patrick Mahomes mentioned sky Moore, um, 
you know, what obviously you know, the chiefs drafted, you figure he's going to be in the mix. There are going to be guys on this team that perform well in training camp in preseason games that don't make this roster. That's just a fact. I mean, the reality is she's going to have to trade them for hopefully some pass rushers. There's going to be some guys on the team towards the end that they'll showcase in preseason that they're going to have to trade. Um, the smart play that Patrick's doing right now that I'll, I don't know if enough people are talking about is that he's getting, he knows he's got a new chapter and he's got a new wave and he's got a new group that he's working with. So he got them to come down to Texas to start building that camaraderie, to start working with them individually, to kind of build bonds and relationships with them and what he's seen and what he wants out there in the football field. And then they're building that level of chemistry and that level of understanding. And that's going to revitalize him. It's going to revitalize Andy, the coaching staff, everybody, so that the Chiefs can kind of evolve in terms of who they're going to be as an offense and start to be more, you know, more balanced overall in terms of what they're going to try to do. So I think with that wide receiver group, I think that's a big part of what Patrick's after, like, like he's talking about showing them around the city, you know, taking them to other sporting games, building that just like what offensive linemen do on a routine basis. And it's known whether it's high school, college or pro offensive linemen are tight knit groups and defensive line can be tight knit groups too. And I think the receivers and quarterbacks and everybody doing that, I think that's going to help kind of build a team chemistry early on that can withstand maybe if there's some disappointment, if there's some execution issues that can help them kind of grind through that together. So I think that's going to be, you know, they'll, they'll get the route running. They'll get everything up to par. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a couple months, but they'll get there and they'll be in a good spot. I think by week seven, week eight, but building that chemistry is so crucial this time of the year. So the, the fact Patrick recognizes that and is doing that is very, it's going to pay, it's going to pay dividends long-term. So here, here's the question I want to ask you. Okay. Cause obviously the chiefs probably don't have a number one wide receiver right now, right? Like last year it was Tyreek. It was clear. And you know, when they had Sammy Watkins, there was a clear number two. And then there was a fall off last year. You had Tyreek. You didn't have a whole lot else, right? I mean, you had some guys who played, obviously, but you didn't have guys that were very productive. Um, this year, they may not have that clear number one, but they may have a lot more two, three, four type guys, right? Would you rather have the elite guy and then just a couple dudes that fill out the roster, or would you rather have a bunch of number two, number three, number four types who are competing with each other and on any given day, could give you wide receiver number one production. I just want guys who can win. I don't care what what number you want to attach to them, what skill set you want to attach to them. Can they go out there and make the play that helps them win the ball game? Or can they go make that play that helps get the first down? If they can keep doing that, that's all that matters. And I think top to bottom, they may not have, like I said, the elite guy, but I think they've got more guys on the depth chart this year who are going to be capable of doing that than they've had in years past. Uh, certainly the last couple of years. Um, so my initial impression, of the wide receiver room is positive. Um, you know, I mean, there's some guys out there that I think can make some plays. Jody, uh, Jody Fortson also was at back out there working. Um, so that's an encouraging sign. Obviously guys like Lucas, Niang and Rashad Fenton, um, weren't Legarius needs a little limited. Andy Reed, uh, um, you know, said that he's been dealing with a knee issue. Um, Rashad had the shoulder, obviously Fortson had the Achilles last year and Niang had the knee, um, you know, but it looks like Fortson is going to be all right. They expect Snead and Fenton to be ready to roll by training camp. So that's positive. One other thing that I noticed that I think is, uh, you know, worth paying attention to without By Byron Pringle and with the potential that McCole Hardman is going to take on a bigger place in the offense. They did do some punt return turn drills, Nick. Um, and 
Sky Moore, Justin Ross, who's one of the wide receivers I didn't even mention, um, Corey Coleman, Jerry and Ely is a name I think worth worth thinking about. I mean, he he's a wide receiver, running back type, rookie out of Mississippi. He was taking some punt returns. Um, Ronald Jones and Isaiah Pacheco were actually up back there doing it. Um, and uh, Tayon Fleet Davis and Matthew Sexton. Some other guys are out there getting some work in too, but that's something to consider. There's going to be some guys, you know, if they have a need at return, that those are guys that could fill out the back end of that roster because they're going to have to replace Pringle, um, you know, and, you know, and, and Tyreek also obviously returned some punts and stuff. So they're going to have to find some return specialists. And those are some of the guys that were at least getting the initial work from the part of camp, uh, the part of OTAs that we were able to see. Well, I will see you whenever late August rolls around. Who's taking those snaps till then. I don't care. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I still, you know, I thought, still thought you might be interested. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try not to, you know, like, like make observations and, and talk to you about them from now on. So anyways, next topic, Todd, next topic. I need to go to, um, hold on. I got to go to Wendy's. Uh, so one other thing, um, you know, you mentioned like, um, the evolution of the offense, stuff like that. Look, Patrick Mahomes is a guy. Um, and, and I wrote a story. You can find it at KSHB.com slash chiefs. I do think that I do think that people underestimate the impact that the foot surgery and the rehab, and then not being able to get together with guys because of COVID had on Patrick's off season, Patrick's physical preparation, for the season. I'm not saying that that's part of the reason they started three and four last year. I'm not saying that's part of the reason that Patrick Mahomes had the worst year of his career, which was still exceptional by, you know, most quarterback standards. But I do think that he is rejuvenated and he is enjoying this off season more. I think spending that month in Texas, you know, I think um, having a daughter, I mean, any parent knows having a newborn is a joy, but it can also be a chore. Um, you know, because they mostly eat, sleep and poop. There's a lot of diaper change and there's a lot of anxiety. Once they are one year old, they're a little more mobile. They show a little more personality. It, it gets to be a little more fun and relaxing in, in some ways and more challenging in others, but it, it's a, it's a fun time to be a parent. He's married. He's no longer planning a wedding, uh, to the extent, you know, that he, that he was part of the planning along with Brittany there. There's a lot of pieces that have fallen into place. Um, obviously the pieces have fallen into place in his career and they're transitioning to this new phase. Do you expect a more relaxed and, and more settled and more mature Patrick to have, you know, to, to take his game to another level this year? Um, I mean, I think COVID played a big part in it for a lot of people to where they couldn't build chemistry and they couldn't go out and build their camaraderie and kind of help do that portion of it. And that was what the chiefs were able to lean on with being able to maintain a lot of the roster over that time. So <clears throat> the chiefs more. So I think whatever he had to deal with his foot last year, I think that had a lot more to do with it. And I think that's what caused a lot of those adjustments, but I think it was an opportunity for him to grow last year, learn from all that and be able to kind of change strategy and game plan. If he needed to on something on how he prepared or how he went about stuff before, you know, becoming a, father and and having all the off the field stuff that he may have in terms of marketing and you know commercials and stuff like that and just a lot of people that want his time at all times probably that he probably deals with and that can kind of you know a chance to kind of settle and and kind of reset sometimes i i don't you know in his shoes i'm sure he's a person that's very in demand and when and when people have that happen you know the chance to get to reset is very welcome sometimes so i'm hoping you know he 
he got that opportunity. He's been able to find ways to be able to kind of do that and crush that in a way, in a good way to where, you know, it kind of, he's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I, sometimes I'm going to have to say no to this or that, you know, even though I may not want to, cause you know, it's just one of those things that people that deal that have that marquee and that so you know, that celebrity in some regard that when they deal with that type of stuff, like it just, you know, it's just one of those life lessons you deal with over time. Yeah. He said he was very excited. He's also, since he's not rehabbing, got to work more in his golf game, which is in a better spot. So um, he's ready to go uh, destroy Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers next Wednesday in the match uh, with Josh Allen. So um, that'll be on TNT. I'm sure there'll be a few Chiefs fans that are interested in watching that one. And for our final thing, Todd, I'm going to ask you what your impressions were of Justin Reed. Well, look, I mean, you don't get to really see, like, I mean, I have no idea how they're going to use him, how he's going to cover anything like that. I'll tell you this though. He came in to the, to, to do an interview. Um, that guy's going to be on NFL network or on TV somewhere after his career. You talk about charisma. You talk about a guy um, who um, is just laid back, effervescent, thoughtful, intelligent. I mean, you know, there were times you don't see this very often from professional athletes, right? Every once in a while you do, but somebody asked him a question and he didn't quite understand it, but he wanted to be sure that he answered the question. So he asked him to restate it and stuff like that. You just don't see that for most of the time. It's kind of, they're almost robotic in those, in those press conferences. He's very engaging. He's very much, um, you know, eye contact smiling. He's just, he's, I, I think, guys are going to gravitate toward him. And obviously he's got to earn a leadership role in that chief secondary and, th and there's space for it. Right. Cause Tyron Matthews gone, whatever you think of Daniel Sorensen, he was a veteran who, you know, and, and a leader, at least by example, in that room, there's a leadership void in that secondary now, and he's got to earn the right to fill it, but it's really easy to see that he's got the chops to do that. And I'm excited. Like he talked about, like the most exciting thing for him is he wants to be versatile. He want he doesn't want to just, you know, play, play deep every time. He doesn't want to just play at the line of scrimmage every time he wants to, you know, be able to use the entire repertoire he has as an athlete and, and, a and, a you know, defensive back. And he thinks that that's part of what attracted him to Steve Spagnuolo's system. He also is keenly aware. He's not trying to be Tyron Matthew. He's not trying to replace Tyron Matthew. He just wants to be the best version of Justin Reed. I'm really looking forward to seeing the ways that they use him and the way that he grows as a leader over the course of this three-year contract because, I mean, my initial first impression is, is very, very positive of Justin Reed. Yeah, I mean, from listening to the press conference, the thing I took away from it is he's kind of, I hate to say it in this way, but he's kind of probably the breath of fresh air that they needed back there. Like, you just they need a different vibe and different energy back there in that secondary and I think he provides that for him because I think he's appreciative of the opportunity. He's not taking it for granted at this time. He talked about all the benefits that are here that he didn't have in Houston and kind of some of the scheme perspective and what he's able to potentially do in this scheme and very complimentary of the scheme. I don't think Justin Reed's a person that's going to be throwing his hands up in the air <laughs> uh, <laughs> after some plays. And I think that's, I think that's more of what they needed and what they identified they needed to remove from the roster and to, and I don't anticipate Justin Reed being somebody that's going to go find people on Twitter and start right. having matches with them and putting negative energy out there like that. And I think Justin Reed's the person's going to focus on ball and worrying about that and trying to have a positive impact on him and his teammates. He looks like a very humble person, a very appreciative person. And 
right now, I think that's what the Chiefs are trying to do with what people want to call a reset. I think they're just trying to find people that are hungry again and appreciate the opportunity and don't take it for granted. Yeah, and look, I mean, when you're in the NFL, when you get to that level, you, you don't want to get accustomed to losing, right? And and it's been hard with, you know, in Houston, it's been hard for all those guys who were down there. Uh, but um, I, I think he's eager to prove himself. And you're right, he's not going to be a guy... Uh, look, I love Tyrone. Look, part of part of his his aggression, his wearing his heart on his sleeve, um, it served a purpose and, and it helped fuel him. And it made him, you know, passionate to work in the community and things like that. There's a lot of good things about it, but I think Justin Reed's approach can be just as effective. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether he can be as productive as, as Tyrone was, especially the first couple of years in Kansas City. Uh, but those answers aren't going to come for a few months. So, you know, that would just be speculation at this point. But um, the, the, the things that we have seen of Justin Reed are all positive. I just, I, I do have one last thing I gotta, I gotta ask you about. Um, no, I'm sorry. We've run out of time, Todd. <laughs> well, so Wendy's is up for sale. Like they're looking for somebody to buy it or a merger. Yeah. Um, so my question is twofold. Like, would you be sad if it went away and where would you go to have Wendy's if Wendy's closed and you had to eat, you know, we, we had to go eat our feelings and we couldn't get a spicy chicken from Wendy's to do that. You know, I'm not sure yet, Todd. That's a question I, I'm going to have to ponder over the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, as you said to me many a times, um, don't go bar in trouble. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of your phrase, but it's basically don't worry about something that's not here yet. So guess what, Tom? I'm not going to worry about something that's not here yet. Okay. I'm going to pretend that Wendy's is going to be around and be a beacon of my sadness for decades to come. And if it's not, then I'll pivot and go from there and adjust. So my, my second question is, how much money do you think we can put together for a bid to try to buy Wendy's? Look, I got five And add it to our portfolio. I'm willing to throw in five bucks, and that's about it. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that'll get you a, a, you know, a big, big bacon sack or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah, they call it a big bacon sack. That's exactly what, exactly what the number seven or whatever it is. Yeah. There, yeah. Like the big your, bacon sack, please. There, there's your keyword. Hashtag big bacon sack for this week's edition. Of well, Todd, um, did it in record time of turning the uh, podcast off the rails. Congratulations. For those oh, that don't I, know, I, for those that I've don't know. stuff much earlier in podcast. For those that don't know, Todd. I'd need to get out by a certain time. So I've been trying to get them out by a certain time <laughs> and we're still 10 minutes over that time. So I hope your kid's not waiting somewhere to daycare for you to pick them up. <laughs> so no, we'll be all right. I, I, you know, I had a little wiggle room. So, all right. Um, talk to you again about next week's OTAs. Yes. See, I'm keeping a brief trying to get out of there. All right. Four. There we go. Take care kids. <laughs>